listening to Empowered Voices. I'm Olivia Smith, and this podcast is made by myself and my co-host, Sarah Ahmad, in association with the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre. For identification purposes, in this episode, I'll refer to the interviewee by their initials, AD. Welcome from Afghanistan in 2012. I was captured by Taliban, and then there is a very long story that I don't want to share that how I could flee from the hand of uh, Taliban and then came to Pakistan and I-, I was there for about a month and then decided to find another place because I, I was really feeling under very, very heavy pressure of trauma at that time. And it was impossible for me to go to Afghanistan because of the certain level of threat and fear that I had. And that's why I decided to like seek uh, protection somewhere else. And I found Australia is one of the most maybe secure place and the most welcoming uh, people that they are welcoming refugees. That's why I decided to find my way to Australia. And that's why I came here yeah, for Pakistan. I came to Indonesia from Indonesia. So we came through the sea by, by, by boat. We came to Christmas Island and then spent a while in det- different detention centers and then released to communities. So I think it was around the end of 2012 that I was released to community. And since then, I've been this, living in this lovely city of Melbourne, yeah. By 2012, around the time AD fled Afghanistan to Pakistan, the Afghan war was at a pivotal point of tension. The American-led manhunt for Osama bin Laden was complete. And in that year alone, it is estimated that nearly 3,000 Afghan civilians died at the hands of the war. By the end of 2012, there were an estimated 2.6 million Afghan refugees residing in other countries. One of the things that I would like to share is that, like, regarding my experience, of course, there are so many things that I, I can share. But, uh, like, I, had, I have had different experiences in, in this journey. This journey was not a very easy journey. But one of the things was that I've been living here for 10 years, but I've been living with bridging visas and uh, temporary visa. These circumstances is very difficult circumstances that I would like to share. I think it's very necessary that Australian people know about that, what's going on behind the politics. Because I know that this is not what Australian people want, and this is completely against the value that Australian people stand for. There are currently well over 30,000 people living in Australia on bridging and temporary visas, the highest figure ever in Australian history. Those people can never become Australian citizens, nor can they apply to be reunited with their families or even travel overseas to visit them without permission. They do not have access to many of the benefits available to people on permanent protection visas, such as subsidised education, access to the NDIS, or other social security payments, such as COVID-19 supplements. When AD arrived on Christmas Island, in alignment with the law, he applied for permanent residence. At the time, AD was ill and placed in quarantine for around five months. He was promised that this extended detention wouldn't affect his application. But when Tony Abbott became Prime Minister, under his relentless Stop the Boats campaign, AD's application was cancelled. I think this was one of the very incompassionate decisions that the minister took against me. Like, and some people like me that I don't know, but what I know that in the boat that I came, the majority of them got their permanent residency and citizens, 
and they gave me a bridging visa just because the government changed and and that helped me because I, I was telling everything honestly to the government so that they do the health check and everything properly. And they promised me so many times that there's this quarantine time doesn't affect your immigration, but they broke their promise. And it was in 2016 that they sent me a letter. And they cancelled my initial application and then gave me a temporary protection visa by which I cannot bring my family, I cannot... Um, I cannot travel. So there are so many risks there. And now, as I said before, it's 10 years that I've been living here, apart from my families, apart from my moms, and I have lost uh, some of my families that I couldn't participate there. But this overall gave me some very tough experience and as well as some good experience that I learned about some reality that about people, about human beings that if there is any opportunity, it doesn't matter whether you're Australian or whether you're a Taliban or Al-Qaeda or a terrorist group or American, whoever, it gives me an experience that if there is an opportunity, everyone can commit cruelty. During the pandemic, people around the world didn't put some minority behind. But here in Australia, I've been living here for years and paying a lot of tax. But just last year, because I was studying, they kept me behind. They said, you are not eligible for any government payment. And I was not eligible for any government payment. I was driving for a rideshare company, which my income got to zero. And I was left behind, and that really hurt me. To put the limitations of living on a temporary visa into perspective, if I were to run a red light, I would pay a fine. If AD were to run a red light, he risked deportation and giving up the entire life he's built for himself here. Australia has had one of the most punitive policies on forced migration in the world, being the only country to mandate detention for all, quote, unlawful arrivals. A key distinction that sets Australia's border policies apart from the rest of the world is that Australia effectively punishes those who flee their country for protection. And this is really a city that I don't miss my family because everyone is like my family. But when I see, like, when I saw that statement from Prime Minister that he said no policy will change, it created a lot of questions now that if the Prime Minister or the Australian government is so tough about this uh, this uh, policy, there should be something else behind this policy because if it is about refugee, I am a refugee. I've been living here for 10 years and haven't seen my family. It itself should prove that I am a genuine refugee. When it talks about other other checks like security or personal or character checks, I've been here living here for 10 years. I have been studying here. And now I work in a very critical position. So I have proved that there's no problem. But why the government still insists in this policy? And I would like that, that Australian people hear about that and think about that. What is the behind this policy? In many cases... Poor treatment of refugees in detention centres continues after they're released, AD's experience being a prime example. If we look to very recent history, we know that poor treatment of those who flee their country is not only inhumane, but can potentially be dangerous, fostering the circumstances that breed extremism. We know that if you study about Taliban and terrorist groups, most of them came from some prisons that they've been tortured for a very long time, Every day they, they have been 
experience negativity and this caused them the sense of retaliations and negative feeling and that's why they have become a terrorist and i'm very worried about the thousands of people here under temporary protection with the regime and the seriousness of the prime minister about this i think there should be some very dangerous purpose behind this and this is now i think a job of australian people to or particularly universities to conduct some research or investigation behind that and i feel that this this could be very dangerous there could be some dangerous purpose behind this policy the message ad wishes to share by telling his story is important to anyone living in australia regardless of circumstance his desire to share his experience and bring attention to the issues that underpin it is what prompted his involvement with the ASRC's Community Advocacy and Power Program. Overall, it's more about communication. It teaches you how to tell your story. It teaches you how to shape your wording. It teaches you how to structure your message. When you talk to someone, for example, if a, a someone is a refugee and he wants to talk about their right in the public, and then how they should structure their their message what is your message what is your target person how do you want to shape your message so that the target person is willing to listen to you before i i was talking against the policy i was talking like emotionally against some let's say unfair policy or moves and then when i when i learned things from this program and i practiced that and i realized how effective it is to uh, to shape your communication and the contents of your communication in the way that it's more effective and also it's not hurting people so that's very important yeah through the cap program ad has increased his confidence and ability to share his story it's given him the means to provoke questions in the community and share what he has learned through his experience such as a deep understanding of human nature, how people can think and act, and how they can be misunderstood or misled. I think this situation has taught me a lot of things. And sometimes in your life, you know, you are just hungry to know something. And and now I think that I know something. Not only know something, that I experience something. I'm very happy that I have experienced this, these things. And now I can understand most of the people around the world that they have been misunderstood i can now understand that a lot a lot of refugees around the world i can now understand so many countries around the world i can understand taliban who took over uh, afghanistan who all of us know they are terrorist group but i can understand them this was something that i'm i'm happy with but when it comes to australian community and society i think I feel that what has happened so far was that the government has misled the public and I think it's really critical that any some maybe some universities or some other organization conduct an investigation behind this breaching temporary visa policy